The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Everybody, welcome back to the Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey, Alex, how are you, brother? Good, man. How you doing? How you been? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Life is uh, life's coming along. Yeah. So you are uh, now fully resigned to the fact that you will spend the rest of your working days from home. <laughs> uh, you know what? Sign me up right now, dude. I'm. I love it. I love not having a commute. Right. You know, I don't. I don't know if folks out outside of New York understand what a New York commute's like. Or, or understand the impact of me saying that I drive into work every day. But driving into Midtown Manhattan, which I do because, well, for various reasons, but I drive into Midtown Manhattan every day. It's a zoo. And not having that two-hour commute each way is, I, I absolutely love it. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. I mean, like for people who, uh, yeah, who are not from New York. I mean, I suppose maybe if some of our L.A. based listeners probably mm-hmm. are like, yeah, cry me a river with your traffic because, you know, there's some places like L.A. that, you know, make our traffic look like nothing. Um, but, yeah, it's like you work in Midtown Manhattan. My school is in Midtown Manhattan, but I live in Queens. I live like. Uh, uh, you know, just a couple streets away from the subway station. So it's like I stumble out of my apartment and I'm, you know, in the subway station 15 minutes later, I'm at 42nd Street. Five minutes later, I'm at my school. So like my commute is a total breeze. You right. basically travel to the same area every day, but coming from Staten Island, which I suppose is technically part of New York. Um, it's, it's uh, the better part. Yeah. The better part. <laughs> it's where all the bodies are hidden. Um, but yeah, you have to, uh, you, you go, I, you go over the Verrazano, I assume, right? Or which way do you go? I go through Jersey. Oh, right. Of course. Because yeah, you wouldn't be going through Brooklyn. Yeah. That makes sense. But still even that. I I would come home through Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. but go through Jersey. I just found that to be the best, best route for me for the times of day. And, and I drive past, uh, city Wing Chun every day, every morning. <laughs> and, uh, depending on my mood, I even wait, wave to you or give you the finger. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think where your school is, is, is just like, I love where your school is. I think it's so cool. And, and, and purely for a dorky geeky kind of thing. Like, I love that you're so close to Macy's Herald Square. Yes. Like, I think that's. Because I grew up watching Miracle on 34th Street. So, folks, if you grew up watching Miracle on 34th Street, that's 34th Street and 6th Avenue in Manhattan. Right. Alex, where's your school? 38th. It's four streets up. It's four streets up. So, that Macy's is still there. Yeah. You know, like, and like people don't realize that, like, Miracle on 34th Street, that's a real Macy's. 
and it's still there. And Alex's school is three or four blocks away. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that because my school is on the fourth and fifth floor, the Macy's Day Parade goes in front of my school. And every year we actually rent out uh, my school on those days because we're closed for teaching on Thanksgiving to tourists to just sit there and watch the parade. Now, because I'm on the fourth floor, you're literally eye level with all the balloons that are coming oh, by. Oh, that's awesome. And you don't have to be on the street with all, you know, the unwashed masses, so to speak. And so, yeah, it's like this. Of course, this year is going to be different, obviously, because of the right, social right. distancing. But yeah, we and all we would do is just put a couple chairs in front of the windows at the front of my building and then we rent it out hourly and we earn like, you know, maybe a couple thousand Whatever. bucks or something like that for for a few hours of a few different rounds of those guys coming in. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So like whenever I like I would drive past it and I don't know why it's so important to me, but it's just part of my youth. I loved Miracle on 34th Street growing up so much. And like whenever I like I passed your school and I, I'll give you the finger. And and then I get like up a block or two, and then I see the mirror, you know, the the Macy's, and I'm just like, wow, this is just awesome, man, <laughs> you know. And yeah, it was a Bryant Park right there, and just it's just such a cool area. Yeah, I really, I really lucked out with that location. And, I, you know, I've been in that location now for the greater part of 18 years. And I, when I first started, I, I was like, I just wanted to have a space. I didn't care if I was downtown, uptown, Upper East Side, Upper West Side. I just wanted to have my space, like an actual brick and mortar, proper Wing Chun school for people to come to. And it just so happened that there was like this, you know, um, midtown studio space available i found it in the back of the village voice in a classified ad wow and uh it was oddly enough a price i could afford because it was like a walk up i mean i could barely afford it but i could afford it and um i've been with the same landlord ever since and that's why you know luckily throughout this entire covid situation because i've been with that landlord for so long i mean they've been super um super understanding about you know um the situation as it is and accommodating sure. and um yeah and and i mean you know i guess the power of <clears throat> developing long-term you know uh, good relationships and you know pay, pay your uh pay your kung fu landlords people <laughs> because right, it can right, pay right. off in disaster so um yeah so really really happy about um how that worked out and you know having a school in midtown so close to 42nd street times square herald square by port authority grand central station we're in the middle of all the major transportation hubs so it's always been super easy that's why we have students from jersey from all of the boroughs we have people from like yonkers because they all work in midtown but they can all easily come to the school sure. so um a majority of my students do not actually live in midtown manhattan they just work there. oh yeah right yeah, so sure, right. um because you know for people who are not familiar with new york the area where my school is in it's a very commercial area i mean there are obviously apartments and people live there but it's not heavy, heavily residential so uh, most of my students are from yeah from all around the surrounding areas so it, it's become kind of like a hub that's you know it's funny because I, I grew up i grew up in brooklyn and I remember going to that area as a young man, just, you know, just doing my thing as part of growing up, you know, it's like, so like, Alex, you'll know this, but like, you know, no one else will. The 6th Avenue and I think it was 21st Street mm -hmm. was uh, the, the church, Limelight. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. That became the club. Right. That, yes. like, I, don't, I don't know what it is now. No, I think but... it's actually like a a posh Chinese restaurant slash club. Uh, one of my students, I think, he's, um, he works security there. And 50 Cent is there all the time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So growing up, I used to go to Limewood. So, folks, this was a a, a church, a, um, a real church that closed down and became a... I guess for lack of a better word, a disco club kind of thing. You know, that's what we called it back in the olden days. And you used to go there and like, I mean, it looked like a church, but it had like, you know, music cranking out of it and everything. Sure. And, and you know, so just growing up, I uh, going into the city, I used, to, I used to go to these places and like, uh, what was it? Oh, Shout. That was it. Shout was on. I don't know if you remember Shout, but. No, so that's Shout was a, time. Uh, shut up. Shout was a club on 43rd between 6th and 7th. And it was the club was huge and they would play a lot of like 50s and 60s kind of music and like people would go there with like ducktails and like duck the, the old 50s style haircuts and and they would like literally because New York is chock full of one of the actors Yes, <laughs> they would. They would always perform like these little skits to the songs. It was just a really cool place to go hang out. So like, like these are memories that I get when I drive down Sixth Avenue. Right. You know, go into these because everything that's such a major thoroughfare. You know, so once once I give you the finger after that, I just have all these little memories of being like you know <laughs> going to, going to Limelight's on Twenty First and. Going to shout down Forty Third, and it's just you know it's just such a cool. I guess it was just a cool thing to grow up in New York City. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just so that's why it's weird. Like you know, now our classes are still mostly online because obviously the downside of uh, living in an area that's not heavily residential is most of my students who work in the area are not coming into work. So sure, that's why a that majority sense. of my students now are doing everything online. And I just have like, you know, right now because of social distancing and all of that, you know, we just have like a trickle of a couple students who are actually there for the class all spread out. And um, and then, uh, you know, the rest of everyone is online. So it's still it's still a bit of an adjustment. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting through it. And, you know, hopefully uh, there's, a, you know, some brighter days ahead. So, um Anyway, uh, before uh, before we go on, I wanted to uh, mention something real quick before you know we totally forget about it, which is about this um, jujitsu movie thing giveaway. Uh, did you want to? Oh you my say god, I am yeah. so excited about this! So, so first of all, the the coolest thing in the world is Paramount Pictures contacted us. Not we didn't go to them; they came to us, which I just think is the coolest thing in the world. Moving so on up, Picture, yeah, right. Paramount Pictures contacted. John, my son John, the producer of the show, he's listed as a producer. So they contacted John, and they are supporting the podcast and our listeners with um, some giveaways to promote the movie, and we just think it's so freaking cool. They are giving away, they're giving us five download codes for a free download of the movie before it comes out. So, you know, and it's for us to pass on to you guys. So we were trying to think what's the best way and the fairest way we can we can do this. So, you know, I, I had I put my, 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 my son on it. 
So what we're going to do is any of the Patreon supporters for any level, whether you support us for two bucks or the highest ones in the uh, the highest supporters out there, we're going to next week when we record the show next week or the week after. We're going to do a, a Facebook Live show. And on Facebook Live, John's going to have the name of every Patreon supporter in a, in a hat. And we're going to pull out five. And we're going to send you the downloads from Paramount Pictures. So it's a new movie coming out. It's called Jiu-Jitsu. It stars uh, Nicolas Cage and Tony Jaa and Randy Couture. And, and Juju Chan and my good friend Maurice Crump is in the movie. That's just so cool. And and you and you're gonna have a free download of this movie. And again, it's open to all Patreon supporters, whether it's a, whether it's a two dollar supporter or the highest supporter. Your name goes in the hat, and you get the free download. So listen, it's worth it to just become a Patreon supporter, even if it's two bucks for the next for the next month. And then if you don't like it, you you, you can stop it. it. Doesn't matter. But you jump in for two bucks. And your name goes in the hat. And we don't have that many as a Patreon supporter. So it's not like you're jumping into one in a million kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like neither one of us are retiring because of Patreon. So, but um, it's a cool thing. And we're, 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 we're excited about it. It's, you know, for us, it says, hey, look, you know, we're getting more popular. That, you know, I mean, Paramount Pictures came to us. That's pretty damn cool. And it's cool that it's something not that... It's not them just paying us to promote their movie. It's 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 that, but we get to give something to you guys. You know what I mean? Like it's something for you guys, and it just we just think it's pretty damn cool to do. You know, it's it's cool that we get to give you these five movies. So they're giving us five movies. We're not keeping any for ourselves. Just, we're just passing all five along to you guys. That's right. We don't and, even get to see the movie. <laughs> right. We're not, we're not even getting to see we, the movie. We got to pay for it. <laughs> right. But uh, we, we thought, you know, it would be a cool giveaway for you guys. And um, so go to, go to, go to patreon.com. Was it patreon.com slash DOKF? That's right. Become a, a supporter for, for any amount. From two dollars on up, and your name goes in the hat to win a movie, and then either next week or the week after we're gonna. I think do I think it's I think it's got to be next week. I'm just looking at the calendar right now because the movie comes out November twentieth, and if okay. these tickets are coming out before that, the two weeks from now would be November twentieth. So I think we should do it. Um, so the next next Friday. Yeah, next Friday, November thirteenth, we'll do a, a live Facebook, and uh, and we'll do it there. Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right, so so next Friday, so next Friday we'll do the live Facebook. And everybody's name goes in the hat. And then John will pull the five names out and we'll contact you and you and and, and you'll get the uh, free download code. Yeah, for Jiu-Jitsu and, starring Nicolas Cage and Juju Chan and Maurice Crump. And oh, I'm looking here at the IMDB also um, Alan Moosey, I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who was in the the reboots of Kickboxer, who, as many of you may have seen on Netflix, they kind of rebooted the Kickboxer franchise, and he's the main guy, so he's he's also in this film, obviously Tony Jaa, so uh, yeah, super excited, it's, it's got some kind of science fiction um, flair to it, I know when Maurice was shooting it, he was talking about it um, 
online and so yeah it looks super interesting so super excited to uh to see that so and super excited to be able to give you know five of our uh patreon supporters uh tickets or you know codes to be able to see this because you know that is um yeah, I guess a testament to the fact that we got enough people listening to us that uh, some movie studio cares. So, um, yeah, which is pretty it's awesome. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, that that was just that was just so cool. I couldn't believe it when John called me up with that. He's like, "Yeah, Dad, you're not gonna believe this." Patriot, uh, Paramount Pictures just called us, and I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, I'm ready to be in the movies still. I'm, <laughs> folks, I am ready to be in the movies. I'm not gonna do any nudity, but you know, well, I, at least I can, at least not full frontal. Not full frontal. This is Joe. <laughs> maybe like a maybe like a side, like you know, but very tasteful, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't handle the truth, bro. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's so. Well, funny. you got these, you got these model good looks now going on with your your workouts going on. You're doing good, <laughs> man. You're doing really good. Thank you, thank you. You know, it's it's um it's actually something that uh, I've I've wanted to do for a while because you know I'm not getting any younger, and. Uh, I just felt that, you know, kind of in recent years, I wanted to go you know, kind of push myself a little bit and see what I was able to do with my um, aging body in terms of like uh, fitness and performance. So the funny thing is the pandemic basically uh, created the perfect situation for this because uh, I was kind of stuck at home. And obviously a lot of people, um, you know, very nervous about what's going on. There's lots of anxiety. And also people are, don't have access to gyms and don't have access to the regular training. And I thought, well, you know, we're providing online training for our students, but I also need to kind of be somewhat of a, uh, an example for people that, you know, just because kind of times are weird doesn't mean that you can't still, do things or crush goals or whatever that you don't have to be like, you know, a victim to, oh, I got to stay home now. So I basically put myself on a training program and I follow it religiously. And I have, I've lost about, which is funny because if you look at the photos of me now, I look much bigger than I did before, like in terms of muscularity, but I'm actually, um, I'm actually uh, 15 pounds lighter than I was in March. Wow. Uh, so I've, I've lost, uh, presumably a, a, a lot of, fa- I've gained some muscle, but I must've lost a lot more fat than that because I'm 15 pounds lighter, but I'm actually, I guess for lack of a better term, larger than I was, uh, in sure, March. Sure. And, uh, this is, um, basically, uh, a matter of two things. One, I started following uh, the home workout of a guy named Greg Doucette, who's on YouTube. Greg Doucette is an IFBB pro bodybuilder, and he's got a YouTube channel, and he is freaking hysterical. He's like this totally jacked bodybuilder. He's a couple years older than me, and he basically does – he's got like a video or two a day. I mean he's so prolific on YouTube, and not only is he like a – you know. Uh, com- still a competitive bodybuilder, I believe. I don't know how active he is recently, um, but he has a um, master's degree in kinesiology, and uh, you know, former very highly competitive uh, bodybuilder. And like I said, I think he's still actually competing from time to time. Um, but this dude really knows his stuff, and um, I started watching his videos early this year, and honestly. I didn't like the guy at all at first because, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like Gilbert Gottfried. And he oh, basically screams at the camera. And he's like, you, you have to imagine like a five foot six jacked bodybuilder 
in his, you know, uh, like, you know, a couple years older than me, like screaming at the camera, sounding like uh, Gilbert Gottfried. And the first couple times I saw his video uh, videos, I was just like, who the hell is this guy? But then, like, you listen to him and you go like, hmm, he's kind of got a point there. And then you watch another video and then you watch another video. And after a while, you realize that the whole like screaming in the camera kind of thing is basically why people like him, because it's 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 his per- it's his on air personality. Um but the dude knows his stuff. And for the longest time, I was super biased about bodybuilders. And uh, so I don't know what your idea about bodybuilders is. But like for me, I always go like, yeah, bodybuilders are like they, they got big muscles and stuff. But these guys don't really have the same functional strength as, say, a wrestler or um, right, yeah. a power lifter or something like that. Well, Greg Doucette, in addition to having, you know, being a professional bodybuilder, he also has a number of powerlifting records including like he did the most number of sumo deadlifts in one minute or something like a guinness book of world records so he not only knows about how to like be big and jacked but he also knows about strength but he's uh, also a trainer and he just knows how to get people to lose weight he knows how to get people to just be more fit so he, he's not giving programs just for people to be bodybuilders he's talking about changing your lifestyle and he has a cookbook uh, called the, uh, you know, it's like this Greg Doucette cookbook. I forget the Greg Doucette diet cookbook, whatever. I, I got it. And basically the trick is this. Um, you need to eat low calorie stuff. But the problem with low calorie stuff is that sometimes people end up eating lots and lots and lots of it. So they end up eating more calories than they otherwise would. So the trick is to eat foods that are super dense, but low in calories. So you get full, but with fewer calories. So the so it's all about like the densest foods that have the lowest calories, and it's stuff like French, like he calls anabolic French toast. This changed my life. It's French toast made with normal ass bread, <laughs> and it's actually extremely low in calories, very high in protein. And I have it every weekend. I eat it in the morning, and I'm not even hungry until two p.m. It's unbelievable. Wow. And so I changed my diet a little bit based on his diet. And then he has this other book, which is uh, it's like his home and hotel workout book, which is for people to work out at home during the pandemic. He's since actually come out with a full bore uh, like weightlifting book, which is like like the tome of I actually haven't gotten it yet uh, because the home workout one is been the one that I'm using and it's the one that I've seen all those results with. And so basically I just, I work out three times a week. I do full body, uh, workout three times a week and two, three days in between I do cardio on the rower or on the airdyne bike and that's it. But I'm religious about it. I just literally, it's like every Monday's this, every Tuesday's that, and I just do it. Um, and, uh, my strength training workout with the warm up is, uh, an hour and 20 minutes and I do that three times a week and that's it. Uh, and then I do like 20 minutes of cardio here, 30 minutes of cardio there while I'm watching YouTube on my bike, whatever. So it's not like killing my production of like my productivity during the day. And that of course, in addition to my Wing Chun training and teaching and I've, I had no idea what my, what, what happened to my body. (laughs) 
So right. like, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, um, he actually w- uh, wants to know like people who've had transformation. I don't know if I've had a full transformation. I mean, I went from being relatively in shape to being more in shape, but it's pretty obvious when you see the photos that my body has totally changed. And at 43, you know, um, I'm, yeah, pretty proud of myself for, I had no idea. I've never been this fit before in my life. So um, yeah, it's weird. It's super weird <laughs> to be like, <laughs> it, like uh, my card, my cardio is, uh, and also like Kenneth J who's been a guest on um, the podcast before I did uh, I did an interview with him at the start of the pandemic. I've been following his rowing protocols for conditioning. And so it's basically Greg Doucette's like uh, eating advice and his workout advice and um, Kenneth J's cardio training on the rower mixed with some of Greg Doucette's uh, cardio ideas. And it, I love it. Uh, working out is so much more fun. I always liked working out, but now I look forward to it so much more because it's, it's just super, it's just like a, it's like um, an absolute privilege to be able to work out. I just look so forward to it because it just, it feels so great. And, um, and I'm able to perform my Wing Chun at such a kind of better level. I mean, just hit the heavy bag today. And it's weird the amount, like the power difference I feel just, you know, having changed my body composition. So yeah, super happy. So I suggest anyone who wants to kind of change their, you know, attitude about looking at things uh, fitness wise follow greg Doucette on youtube the dude is a genius it, it look it doesn't get it doesn't get better that i know he's a little he, he can be a little off-putting at first but you will not find more straightforward information from anyone uh than from greg Doucette. and like he says he tells you what you need to hear not what you want to hear so it's kind of like no bullshit advice and uh dude's amazing um i just i hope i meet him one day and just shake his hand he's he's pretty pretty phenomenal and i never thought as a martial artist i would follow the you know strength training advice of like a bodybuilder because it's very different from what we're looking for in martial arts but he 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 knows his stuff i mean this is really right. he's really an expert he's the guy to follow and even if you don't buy his books or any of that kind of stuff um if, just follow him on youtube his, the, every day he comes out with videos and the advice he gives on there you would have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to anyone else uh to a registered dietitian and a personal trainer to get one tenth of the advice that he gives for free on his youtube channel so yeah. um yeah greg Doucette's the he's the man so uh, anyway so that's my um that's my advice for you guys so that's cool. It's like a functional strength kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously a bodybuilder. He does a lot of Natty or Not videos. I don't know if you know what those are. Um, I don't know. So Natty is a kind of a euphemism for natural. And then for people who are on PEDs and steroids, because like they're movie stars, people want to go like, hey, is this guy on peds or is this guy on steroids and so for experts because he is on like hrt uh so he takes hormone i mean he obviously uh, you know abused steroids for many years because he's like a full tilt body but he's open about it and he talks about it and talks about the downsides and you know why people should really think twice about doing those things and he does natty or not videos people say like hey is this guy natty or is he you know on peds and they're hysterical because first of all he's he knows his stuff even when and there's so many people who are fake natties who claim that they are natural but actually they're taking all the peds and he and he outs the piss out of these people which is just amazing for that but through that you actually learn a lot about how to spot someone who takes peds versus someone who doesn't and uh that alone is is super interesting but he talks about cardio he talks about strength he talks about you know getting in shape i I want to go on record as saying i am not on 
I'm not on steroids. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> as 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 Coach Greg, as he's called, would say, that doesn't mean you're not on PEDs because there's also SARMs. There's also all these. Uh, so one of the ways people like because there's other stuff that makes you jack. There's things called SARMs, which I'm like learning about all these crazy things. And so there are people like, hey, man, I don't take steroids. But like the joke is they're taking SARMs. <laughs> so like, you know, so it's a true statement, but it doesn't mean that they're not taking PEDs that um, kind of enhance their body. And he's also done like a couple of UFC fighters like Paul Acosta and stuff like that. So he his channel is super interesting. I think you'd I think you'd like it. Uh, it's definitely, definitely entertaining. And even though he's from Canada, he has the um, he has the aura of a New Yorker. Which is why okay. I think I re- like he's he's got that kind of brash New Yorker vibe to him, even though he's like, you know, from the from the sticks of Canada, from Nova Scotia or something like that. But he's he's definitely like w- one of one of us. <laughs> like you definitely. Did <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I remember like, um, you know, my, my dad died when I was relatively young. But um, I remember some of, some of the best advice he ever, I heard ever heard him give. My my father was always in very good shape. I guess uh, being a, a a veteran who fought in Vietnam, came home, joined the fire department. He just was in good shape, and he was a relatively big guy, you know, six one. And I'll never forget someone saying to him, "Like John, how do you stay in such good shape?" And he said, "You know, I wasn't in good shape until I went to Nam." He goes, "And they have an excellent car, uh, fitness program there." And they were like, oh, what's the fitness program? He goes, when you go to Vietnam, they slap about 60 to 70 pounds worth of equipment on you. He goes, and you walk through jungles for 8 to 10 kilometers a day. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> and he used to say, like, of all the things that people did wrong to get in shape, and he would always tell them, just get a, like a weight belt or weight vest and walk. <laughs> and then, and, or he said, I guess I've now heard them called farm, farmers, farmers carries or something. Farmers carry, yeah. But he used to say, like, he, go, he used to say, like, um, one of the things they used to do was get, like, two big tubs of cement and just uh, walk around the camp carrying them. And it was a punishment that he used to make the rookies do in his unit in Nam. And, like, if you had to go for lunch, they would make you pick up the, the cement and carry it. Wow. And he goes, you know, and it would like be like 103. And you're carrying these two big tubs of cement. And he goes, and he said, like, he, since he came home, like, that was his, like, his idea of just, like, strap on extra weight and walk. Right. And it was, like, the best uh, best exercise in the world for him. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, when, I, when I think of, like, when I, when I saw your pictures, I was like, holy shit, like, Alex really changed. I mean, it was good that when I got to talk to you, I realized you were still a dick. But I just... <laughs> that, that'll that never change. <laughs> but I was actually very impressed with the uh, the physical transfer, transformation. I Thank was like, you. wow, like that was really... I mean, that's, that's not genetics. That's not this kid's lucky. It's that's fucking hard work. Right. Like it was, you know, it was a result of hard work. And I was, I was very impressed with it. I... Uh, I thought, I thought for me to give you a compliment, trust me, it kills me. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and I hope that uh, you know other people if they um, if they want to do something similar. Because I also I don't know if you saw I bought a Marcy machine. Like um, Marcy is a company that they make these like 
uh, kind of weight racks where you have all the ex- all the things you can do everything. They have like the cables for pulling and they have a weight bench. And Bruce Lee famously bought a Marcy machine in um, in December of 1972 in preparation for Enter the Dragon, which is why he was so like crispy like shredded in that movie because at home he had his own marcy machine which was like a multi multi-circuit machine well i have the new version of the same model that bruce lee had back then which is like you know the the modern version from the same company and i got it at, at the school and i actually started That's going cool. through i started going through all of bruce lee's notes uh from john little's art of expressing the human body which has all the mm-hmm. workouts and everything in there really amazing um the types of workouts that Bruce Lee did, because a lot of the stuff that he was doing back then is stuff that, um, you know, a lot of the high level strength athletes and martial artists are finding now. He did like a right. lot of, for example, bicep curls, but he would do them with wrist rotations. It's called a Zotman curl so that right. he was training his forearms while he was going up and down. So he was like almost multitasking within the exercise choice that he had, which is really, really quite phenomenal. And he also just did lots of, bread and butter stuff like shoulder presses and deadlifts and you know like people are always assuming that there's always some kind of like sexy secret to getting in shape because the fitness industry sells you that it's always about what's new and what's up to date that's going to get you in shape when in reality the the best the best workout is the one you're going to do consistently it's not the one that's the fanciest or coolest it's the one you're going to show up and actually do and then do it again you know what i mean and so um, right. Bruce Lee was obviously uh, – uh, but looking at his training notes, um, he definitely, especially towards the end of his life, um, given what I now know through learning from Coach Greg, for example, he was definitely overtraining in the last year and a half of his life. He, he had almost mm. no, no rest days in there, and when you, which is why right. I think he was so skinny at that very last period because he was training like a maniac, but he literally gave himself no rest days. And, um, right. yeah, and, and you can kind of see why, you know, he, he would be kind of burning the candle at both ends, kind of in, especially in that last year of his life. He was just absolutely fanatical about his training. And there were things that he was doing. I don't even understand. He would put, um, you know, those cables where you have like a, a at a gym where you can like press stuff down on a cable. Or you can yeah, you can yeah. adjust the arm or whatever. He would put those things on his feet, like with ankle straps, and he would do his kicks. Like he he put the cable on the ground, and then put the ankle strap on there, and he would practice like his hook kicks and his side kicks and his front kicks. Wow. Slowly against resistance, and it's just like. It's hard enough to even hold your leg out in a sidekick, let alone with resistance against. Like, he was just an absolute maniac. <laughs> like, I was looking at some of that stuff and just going, like, wow. Even with my years of Taekwondo um, and, you know, my relatively sh- strong legs and hips, I'm, I was just like, eee. I don't, I don't, I'm actually going to try it next week. So, it's, it's on. <laughs> I, I've, I've penned in my schedule to, um, on Tuesday, try out Bruce Lee's crazy shit because <laughs> I have I have all of his workouts in a notebook uh, at my school. So my students who use our gym, I have an index there with all of Bruce Lee's workouts, his circuits, his favorite exercises for different body parts so they can try all that stuff. And so I'm actually going to um, next week um, do nothing but Bruce Lee workouts for one week. I mean, which is obviously not really enough to see any kind of change, but I want to see what it was like to actually do the reps and sets that he did for a week. 
because I just want I just want to have kind of an idea of what that guy was putting himself through, especially 72, 73. So that's actually what I'm going to do next week. So that's kind of like a fun, weird, dorky challenge that I that I do for myself. It's like I'm going to work out like Bruce Lee for a week. <laughs> now, I, I heard the story. I don't know the validity of it. Mm-hmm. I you have no idea if it's true or not. But the person that told it to me, it made me feel like it was true. I'm not going to say who it was. So when they saw Bruce Lee's workouts, that he would have these incredible workouts, and then it would, like, like I say, like a two-mile run or a three-mile run. Mm-hmm. And he remembers saying to himself, like, that was disappointing. Like, like he only ran, like, two miles. And everything else was, like, incredible workouts, and then it was, like, run two miles. Right. And I'm saying, like, you know, why only two miles? Like, you know, he he could run five miles in his day. Like, why would, like, Bruce Lee, you would think, you know. And he had the opportunity to speak to Linda. And, and, he, and he had mentioned that to her. And she said, oh, well, you were never at that house. When you come out the front door, it's two miles uphill. <laughs> right. So he would run two miles, but it was two miles straight up. Right. Like in like one of those hills in wherever. Yeah, like doing hill sprints, yeah. Right, you know. And like, oh, that makes sense, you know. That was... And I, I was like, I always wanted to like, I always wanted to check that out. I was like, I, I was never like, like you know, I've said on this podcast a hundred times, I've, uh, I was never a quote-unquote Bruce Lee fan. I was more of a Jeet Kune Do person. Right. But um, I'm definitely uh, finding myself more and more interested in getting invested in, in learning more about Bruce Lee, you know? Right. Um, I don't know what's, I think Alex has dragged me into this. But <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I find myself trying to, remember stories that I heard and jotting them down now because I, I want to learn more about Bruce Lee as opposed to just Jeet Kune Do, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he was like an incredibly complex person and I feel like, you know, like I've discussed this with you before, like, you know, yeah, it's like you can be totally into the Jeet Kune Do stuff and not care about like uh, where or how he signed his movie contracts for Golden Harvest or something like that. But like I'm equally interested in Bruce Lee and all of those things. And um, one of the interesting things that I read, actually, I just read it this morning, um, uh, is that uh, when Bruce, you know, he was a childhood actor. And one of the uh, actors and producers that he worked with as a child was a guy named M. Chofan. And M. Chofan, at that time in the 1950s, was one of the very few, very socially conscious directors in Hong Kong because most Hong Kong films in the 50s were just fluff entertainment like movies in the 50s over here right you didn't really have a lot of movies of substance at that time it wasn't normal but um Chao Fan made these films that were socially relevant like about like the different social uh, um, classes in Hong Kong between like the British and the Chinese and stuff and this guy um, was a huge influence because he was a producer in a number of and also acted in a number of the films that Bruce Lee was in. And he's generally regarded by people who knew Bruce Lee at that time as Bruce Lee's Sifu in filmmaking and in acting. And the interesting thing is that much later when Bruce Lee came back to Hong Kong and started working on those films, 
uh, Bruce was um, very much against the authority figures like Raymond Chow and the guys at the head of Golden Harvest because he felt that they mistreated the stuntmen and that they weren't um, giving them their due. And without stuntmen, you don't have a martial arts movie. And Bruce would rally for like the stuntmen to get good food and to be treated well and to be paid well. And um, and he was always sn- and he would even yell at Raymond Chow in front of the stuntmen. So he became the hero, like to the working class people on the film, i.e. the stuntmen. And uh, that's the reason why to this day, uh, Bruce Lee is far more beloved among the general stuntmen in Hong Kong than Jackie Chan is because Bruce Lee treated the stuntmen way sweeter than Jackie Chan ever did. And and to this day, like I told you uh, a year, a year and a half ago, I met uh, Chung Wing Han, who was a stuntman. He was in Enter the Dragon, and he later did a bunch of movies with Jackie Chan. And I had, by random chance, I had lunch with this guy in Hong Kong and another Shaw Brothers guy. And like I'm sitting there next to him, and it's like he's one of the yellow gee guys in Enter the Dragon, right? Okay, yeah. And then, you know, I'm asking him and, 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 you know, what was it like working with Jackie Chan and what was it like working with Bruce Lee? And then he looks at me and he goes, of all of them, Bruce Lee was the best. And he goes, not only was he the best martial artist and he was a real martial artist and a real fighter, but he treated all of the stuntmen with so much dignity. And when they would break on film, he never went to his trailer and he never went with the brass from Golden Harvest. He sat with the stuntmen and they just shot they shot the shit together told stories they would have food together and then he would complain if the food that the stuntmen get, got wasn't as good as the food that he was getting and he would share they would give Bruce better food and he would give it to the stuntmen and he would eat the food that they were supposed to eat mm. and so for that reason um they they absolutely loved him um and even Jackie Chan talks about when Bruce accidentally hit him with a nunchuck as soon as they called cut you know he's going over to him and giving him a hug and oh, are you okay and are you okay and um right. very different from how stuntmen were normally treated um in Hong Kong and they say that a lot of that had to do with M. Chow Fan's um influence on Bruce Lee as a young child about being kind of uh, even though that Bruce came from means about being very socially aware about people who did not come from that same background or did not have that access. And so it's interesting. You hear these things about how much the stuntmen loved him in those films and then later find out that that actually has a seed in the specific people that he made films with when he was a child and so that's the kind of stuff where i go like yeah you can be totally just into the jeet kundo stuff but there's something about knowing that about bruce lee which also just makes you understand him more and makes you feel like if you can just understand what he was like as a person and his thought process it's also easier to understand the other martial things that he was thinking about. And that's why I'm, I'm thinking about him in terms of like as a complete person and his entire history is being relevant to what he even did just from a purely martial arts standpoint. That's really, that's awesome. You know, um, growing up, we had a saying, show me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Right. And... You know that that's really wonderful to hear that he was. I, I again, I didn't know that. It doesn't shock me just from some of the things I've heard, but I, I didn't know that to be true, and that that's awesome to hear. I you know I heard um, some cute funny stories. You know Steve shared some stories with me, and um, about more like Bruce the person as opposed to the teacher, and. Um, 
that's just that's just really cool to hear. That's uh, that's that's nice, you know. What, what's what's also interesting is that. Um, Bruce Lee, you know, all these people talk about, oh, did he really fight or whatever? And like it, when Bruce got uh, uh, went to Thailand to do the big boss, you know, he was basically taking over the role that was supposed to be played by James Tien. James Tien was going to be the star of Big Boss and he got pushed aside for this new guy, Bruce Lee. And the stuntmen on Big Boss were kind of like, who the hell is this guy? This is some guy who did movies when he was a kid. Like, you have to imagine that Bruce Lee coming back at age 30 to become an action star would be the same as, like, if after Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin never made another movie, and then at 30, suddenly he's a martial arts ass kicker. And you're like, isn't that Macaulay Culkin? You know what I mean? So, like, for some of the people who actually knew who Bruce was from back then, it was, like, a very weird thing. They didn't realize what um, 12 years in the U.S. had done changing this guy, right? Sure, So, yeah. um, So they were actually quite challenging of Bruce Lee, including Lam Cheng Ying and uh, Peter Chan and his brother. And Bruce, in a very friendly way, showed those guys, because they talk about it all the time. They said they, they didn't, you know, they were stuntmen. They were martial artists. They came from the streets. Many of them were triads. They were gangsters. And they were like, who the F is this guy? And they wanted to see what Bruce Lee was about. And they were very quickly made believers. And so much so that they followed Bruce everywhere he went. And Bruce loved them so much, he used the same stuntmen in all of his... If you watch Bruce Lee's early films... It's just the same rotating cast of people in different roles because That's he was awesome. very he was very loyal to them and so much so that even Lam Ching Ying, who was very peace loving, easygoing guy, um, he was so enamored with Bruce that he called Bruce Sifu. Like he didn't call mm. him, you know, elder brother. He actually called him Sifu. And when Bruce was being challenged by another actor named Lao Tai Chun. Um, you know, this guy Lao Tai Jun was talking about Bruce in the newspaper saying he would kick his ass and he was a boxer and his boxing would crush Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do and was all over the Hong Kong press. I've actually seen right. the headlines. And uh, they were at a restaurant and Lam Ching Ying was there with Bruce Lee and Lao Tai Jun was in the restaurant. And Lam Ching Ying is known as a very kind of peace loving, easygoing guy. And but he was so angry that Lao Tai Jun dared to challenge Bruce Lee. That he very uncharacteristically, because he wasn't like a tough macho guy with a lot of bravado, he got up in the middle of the restaurant and walked up to Lao Tai Chun and basically said, like, you MFR, how dare you challenge my Sifu? It's like, if you want to fight, you have to fight me first. And you, you're, you're, right, not right, even, right. you're not even qualified to fight my Sifu. And to which Lao Tai Chun purportedly, you know, stood down or whatever. So um, Bruce had an intense loyalty from those stuntmen because they really believed in him and also the way that he treated him. And I think that that gets overlooked because, you know, Bruce Lee did also have a temper and Bruce Lee, you know, also was human like the rest of us. Uh, but to when you hear those kind of stories, because those are the stories that those come out after the fact, the, that wasn't in the PR at the time. Like, hey, look right. how good I am to the stuntmen. That's what comes out years later, you know, kind of like how you hear stories about what Robin Williams did, you know, on the sets of some of the movies and things like that. And those were not the things that that Robin Williams was promoting. He wasn't telling people right, that sure, they, they sure. came after the fact. And and these are the kind of things that people are saying about Bruce Lee when they have really no reason otherwise to say it. So um, really more and more just find, you know, for someone who passed away at 32 in a pre-Internet age, what a really remarkable human being he was. Absolutely. So other than the Michael Polly book, right? Yeah. Matt, Matt Polly. 
Matt I apologize. That's okay. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> um, Matt Polly. Yeah. You would say that that's the, in your opinion, one of the best, like Bruce Lee. If I was gonna pick up a book, yes, and say I want to learn about Bruce Lee. Right. You would say the Matt Polly book. Yeah. So in in, in my opinion, if you want the most uh, unbiased, cradle to grave, linear biography of Bruce Lee, um, in depth. Uh, you can do no wrong with Matt Polly's book. I think Matt Matt Polly's book. You, there will never be, uh, there will never be a book that will match the level of depth of Matt Polly's book because he interviewed everyone and he did it in a very unbiased way. It's not from the Lee estate, so you can already trust it more if it's right, not coming exactly from them. Right. Um, and uh, I would say the other book that people should really think about, but it goes really hardcore deep into the geek which is why it's really the book for me is a book written by my friend bay logan called bruce lee and i which really talks about the deep honk the the hong kong stuff not so much the martial arts development in the states or whatever that book is really remarkable in terms of like who bruce lee's specific influences in the films that he made and squabbles he had with people you don't even know about and people that he crossed paths with that you wouldn't even know that he crossed paths with um and so uh i would say between matthew paulie's bruce lee a life and bay logan's um bruce lee and i um, you can, of course, read the stuff from the Lee estate. I think the best books from the Lee estate were the ones that John Little did. And I think uh, that the worst thing the estate did was fire John Little because I think he really did the best job for them. Um, sure. It, and if you really want to get a... F- so my golden three, like if you really want to know who was Bruce Lee, you get Matt Polly's book, you get Bay Logan's Bruce Lee and I, and the third one is you get Letters of the Dragon, which is Bruce Lee's handwritten letters because when you read that it's bruce lee right because he was a prolific letter writer also kiddos it was before email and all those things so you had to write letters and you really see because these are private letters to people so this is what bruce lee was when no one was watching so it's not someone telling you what it meant or who he was or what it's literally Bruce Lee, except for yeah. the final letter written on the day that Bruce Lee died. That was um, <clears throat> probably written by someone else. You can discard that letter. That was most likely not written by Bruce Lee. It could have been written. I don't know by a family member that <clears throat> maybe wanted to write something to a lawyer uh, under Bruce Lee's name. But uh, <laughs> with the exception of that final letter in uh, letters of the dragon, um, those are all Bruce Lee's letters to, you know, people like, uh, William Chung and Wong Sun Leung and Taki Kimura and, you know, all of his students. And so you have really a very, um, you know, very in-depth view of what, you know, what he was like as a person. So, uh, yeah, so, but obviously not for Jeet Kune Do stuff. You just want to know about Bruce Lee. It's Matt Pauly's book, <laughs> Bay Logan's book, and Letters of the Dragon. And I think you you cannot get a more um, unbiased real look at that person than than those three books right there that's would be my golden three oh that's awesome i remember reading letters of the dragon letters of the dragon yeah when it first came out i uh, i still have that upstairs i uh i don't have the poly book i uh i need to get that you should get the poly book you would like it yeah yeah, I agree. I need to get it. It also mentions Steve Golden in there as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's 
unbelievably thorough. I mean, it, it mentions everything like, you know, uh, Jesse Glover, Ed Hart, all those guys, and even like how we kind of, how they had their little squabbles when he went sure, to Oakland. Sure. It's, it's very like, all of that is in there. It's, 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 it's linear. So the whole book is told in order of his life. And it's, it's like literally Bruce's entire <laughs> life in a timeline. Right. It's, it's remarkably detailed. I mean, Matt Pauly, the, I mean, hats off to him. He's a remarkable author. He's written some really fantastic books. I, uh, you would probably think this is interesting. You know, he's written, he wrote a book called American Shaolin, where he went to the Shaolin Temple and trained. And then he wrote about his experiences. And then he wrote uh, another book. I think the book is called Tapped Out, where he trained as an MMA fighter, as an adult who never did MMA before. And then he trained under Randy Couture and then had an MMA fight with Randy Couture in his corner. And then oh, he wow. wrote about the entire experience. You can even go on YouTube and see the fight, which he actually won, by the way. Um, and so, so Matt, so Matt Pauly is like he's like as he's a friend of mine. He's a, like a legit human being. I mean, I just sure, I sure. wish I had more time to you know just break bread with him and talk to him. He's he's a very fascinating person, and his books are really great. So this is not like a weird Bruce Lee fanboy writing a book, and this right, is not right, someone right. who wants to make Bruce Lee look bad or whatever this is like someone who has genuine um love for bruce lee really writing the book that bruce lee deserved to have written about his life in the way that bruce lee would have wanted honestly the honest take of bruce right, Lee's sure, life, sure, you know sure. without that kind of spin that's very common from the estate and from you know the, the, the kind of the fanboy section of of bruce lee's you know fans right so yeah yeah, I mean, you know, the estate does some weird stuff with Bruce Lee's name. For sure. Between the Bruce T and just nonsensical stuff. Yeah, and also the stuff that they sign off on and, and you know, yeah, and yeah, they have a yeah. long history of it. Like even Dragon the Bruce Lee story, which is like beating a dead horse for any kind of Bruce Lee fan. I mean, there were a lot of things that the estate did because the book was that, – that movie, the script was basically um, kind of – okayed by by you know linda or whatever and like if you watch that movie knowing that um no references to bruce lee's brothers and sisters are in there nor his mother who was still alive at the time that that movie was made so there wow. was like a very strategic um kind of blocking out of bruce lee's family uh outside of his father and uh, who was already long since passed when that movie came out so it's 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 interesting in hindsight how you know they kind of manipulated that. And also the guy who breaks Bruce Lee's back, you know, his name right. is like, uh, you know, I, f I forget Johnny's son or something like that. And they make reference to Wong Jackman in Dragon the Bruce Lee story, but not that that guy who broke his back was Wong Jackman because they were afraid of being sued. So right. that's why they gave that guy a different name. And then they made reference to Wong Jackman in the movie as if he was someone else to make it clear that that guy is not supposed to be Wong Jackman. Right, right, right. Which also just as everyone knows that that's supposed to be Wong Jackman and that that story's not even close, but it's like, so it's, and, but the estate signed off on that. Meanwhile, his brother and sister want to make a movie in Hong Kong, and they, they, they you know, and the, the estate is running them out of house and home to not let this thing get shown. So it's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, um, kind of, you know, the the the, the, the somewhat dishonesty that's come from uh, 
representing someone who is all about being honest with yourself as a martial artist. And, you know, so, yeah, it's it's a bit unfortunate, but they can't all, all the stuff's out there. They can't they can't hide it. And the real fans know where the stuff is. So, you know, sure. They, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't have the power that they think they do. So, uh, hey, before we were talking uh, or bef- before we started recording tonight, you were talking about kung fu weapons you would like to learn if you had the chance. And I thought that was a really funny thing to talk about. Yeah, you know, I, um, I've i always loved, probably everybody loved, Kung Fu weapons growing up. And so here's where this thought of with me tonight. Like the, like, like the 15-year-old that I pretend I am sometime, I'm looking <laughs> through TikTok and, and videos on TikTok. So funny. Uh, listen, it's just it's where my life is right now. Well, it's funny you're on TikTok and I'm not, which I think is just so funny. I think that's just great. I love it. <laughs> but, I, by the way, the stuff you're doing on TikTok is really super funny. So for those of you out there, because you, you repost that stuff on Instagram, that's why I know right, about right, it. Right. Uh, so for those of you who are on TikTok, uh, you guys should follow Sean. He's got some really funny stuff on there. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I, you know what? I go on TikTok because I like to have fun. It makes me laugh. I, I, I like making other people laugh, so I, you know, but one of the, I, I follow some, some people that just, you know, Harry Potter stuff and other geeky stuff that people mm-hmm. wouldn't get. And I was watching, I follow some martial artists and some guy posted videos of himself working with, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying these wrong, I always call it a Kwando. Which mm-hmm. is like that? It looks like a two and a half foot long blade. Yes. Thick, thick blade uh, attached to like maybe a four or five foot long pole. Yeah, it's basically a pole with a short broadsword at the short, fat broadsword right. at the end of it. Right. Yeah. And he was working that, and then he went into like some uh, a monk. What I always call a monk spade. Yes. I, I'm not sure. And he finished it up with these. I had them too. These like hooks to like look, look like a tall letter C. Like you, you hold you hold them like towards the middle. Oh, the the like, like a, the hook the hook swords. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yes, and, and they can have, even like, link up the, in the middle, and you can like yes. spin them and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, man, that just looks so much fun. Yes. Like he was, you know, he he looked he looked athletic. He looked like he was having fun. He looked skilled. Um, whether he knew what he was doing or not, I don't know. I'm not a kung fu man. So I can't pass judgment on that. But it looked like he knew what he was doing. So right. he looked like he was doing some proper kung fu. Right. And, and I was saying, you know, I mean, I'm a fat fuck and I can't do a lot of that stuff anymore. But man, if I, if and when I ever lose this weight, I want to pick up a Kwando and, and, and spin that thing, man. That just looks so much fun. And I started right. thinking, like, what's some of the weapons that I would want to do? And definitely the Kwando, definitely a monk spade. Big three sectional staff. Yes. You know, like a spear, like that has like um, the blades on the two sides of it. Those like uh-huh. like half moon, like you know the picture like these half moon blades on each side of a spearhead. Yes, yes, yes. Like that, you know. It just looks like so much fun, you know. Right, right, right. And I and I, and I was wondering, did did you ever do any of those weapons or? So uh, my. Uh, uh... I, I, I'm basically in the same boat as you. So I see, obviously I'm very specialized in what I do. And, uh, you know, our two, our two limited weapons in Wing Chun 
And every right. time I see someone like a, you know, legit Kung Fu master wielding, you know, any one of those exotic choices you just talked about, I just go, damn, like sometimes I just wish like I could, you know, it's always the thing like I wish I could clone me. They'd be like a version of me that would just go and train with Maxifu in Hong Kong and learn all those different forms and learn all of that stuff. And a version of me that would just go and uh, train jujitsu and a version of me that would, you know, just, just do Wing Chun and sure, a version of me sure. that would just read books. And then we could just converge and Vulcan mind meld and become this one super version of me. Um, yeah. I see that stuff and I get so excited. So I, I, I've been trying to, trying to like do some of that stuff a little bit on the side because as I talked to you before and I posted before, you know, the Wing Chun Bacham Do is meant to fight against different types of Chinese weapons. Well, I always felt kind of stupid like after I learned the Bacham Do and learned, okay, this is for this and this is for this. Well, this is great, but those weapons that I'm fighting against, I don't have any competency in those weapons. So it's a lot like, you know, if you're going to learn how to fight against like boxing punches for lack of a better term, well, you should probably learn how to box a little bit if you're going to learn how to fight against it. If you want to uh, teach right. take, if you want to teach takedown defense, you should probably have at least some kind of baseline idea of how to do a proper takedown, rather than, you know, a lot of Wing Chun people go, oh, here's a takedown, and they do something that's not even at the level of a football tackle, and oh, see how right. easy sure, it is to defend it. Yeah. yeah, well, you're not doing a takedown the way any halfway competent blue belt would, would take you down. Right. So, right, right. um, so I was like, well, if I'm going to teach my senior students how to fight against these various weapons, I should have at least some kind of baseline competency. So, uh, from Maxivo actually learned the original Lokdin Bunguan, which is in the Hongkun form, which is, uh, pre Wing Chun. So it's actually what Lokdin Bunguan was like before the Wing Chun people sullied it. And then, um, I also wanted to learn broadsword, like the freaking Chinese broadsword, yeah, because that man. that is one of the weapons that Wing Chun fights against uh, with the knives, especially in the uh, fifth set. And uh, mm, yeah, a few of the different sets specialize in that. So uh, uh, Maxivo actually taught me a an entire sword form, Pequardando, uh, uh, which is the, you know, uh, which is a uh, single sword from a, the Pequar style. And it's, it's a Northern style and it's freaking amazing. And the form is crazy. And he's showing me like, but Maxivu is different. Like a lot of my Kung Fu people, like they'll, they'll just do a form and then you go, cool. How do you use that stuff? And then they'll go, eh, you could do this. You could do that. You could tell they're riffing that knowledge. But with Maxivo, you go like, okay, so how do you use that? And he'll say, okay, well, you have to hold it this way because when you cut, you cut like this and you defend this way and this is for this. And then you go, okay, now we're talking about an expert here. He actually knows how to use the damn thing. And so Maxivo showed me like how you actually cut with the, uh, it's called sato, which is the the killing. It's just an exercise on how to properly cut. And right. he, showed, he showed me that and he showed me how it counters all the different other weapons. And I'm very shitty at Pequar Dando. Very shitty. I can limp through the form like an asshole, but I, I can't do it. Like you wouldn't look at my form and go like, wow, that looks amazing. Um, but I'll tell you, I have enough. I feel that I know enough about using that sword from Maxifu, which is not to say I'm not anywhere near being a broadsword expert where I think if, if you could clone me and you gave a broadsword to one and put the Bacham though in the other, 
I think the one with the broadsword would kill the one with the bachamto right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, uh, I, I, I don't say that for all the other weapons. I have I have confidence with my bachamdo against a couple other weapons, but not against a broadsword. I mean, if I'm going against myself with those weapons, I think that if I had a broadsword and the other me had two bachamdo, I think I would chop the bachamdo guy into pieces um it's very difficult with the range of those two weapons it's and but i wanted to know that because then i know okay here's in theory how the wing chun knife handles this weapon and this is how those guys actually use that weapon and now my job is to kind of reconcile the two so um yeah but like you you know when i see maxifu use the kwando because he'll show the form and it'll be awesome and then he'll come up to me and he'll say we hold it this way because because we use it like this. This is why we hold it like this. And we counter the and you hear the reasoning behind it rather than right, oh yeah. it's just a pretty form done for the sake of having a pretty form. Why the monk's spade is made the way it is. Uh why the you know butterfly swords have the shape that they do and what is the design feature and why do you wield it that way so i have i'm very lucky that i have this open encyclopedia with maxivu but also i have other good friends who's on the podcast member sifu brian cuddle from charlie Futt. he's also right. totally badass with i mean he's got a youtube channel where he just has tons of tutorials showing all these different things it's like i i get so jealous like he dude he knows how to fight with a freaking bench <laughs> <laughs> like right, I want to right, right, yeah. learn how to fight with a bench. It's like, what are my weapon skills? Okay, I use these two short blades from Wing Chun and a super long pole. <laughs> and if you put a, a Kali or a Screma stick in my hand, I have basic competency. And if you put two in my hand, I have basic competency. And that kind of ends my weapon. And if you put a broadsword, I can fake that I know something for a little bit. But like, you know, Brian Cuddle, you put a sword in his hand, you put a, a bachamdo in his hand, you, you put the spear, and then he just wow, wields that thing. You put a bench in his hand, you're like, my God. And so there's something about that, you know, um, kind of almost the renaissance man within Chinese martial arts that can wield all those different things and have the hand fighting skills that I find is uh, really uh, quite awe-inspiring. And so, yeah, uh, uh, the literally the list you named there of weapons uh, is pretty much the same, you know, the same list that I would want to learn too. Like, I totally know when you say, you know, the spear that has the two little half moons right, on the right, side. Exactly, like, I right. totally know that spear. And then there's like another one that has like a squiggly, stabby part, right? Yeah. And like, little, I don't. It's a Chris knife. But it's yes. like it's a spear with a Chris knife. Oh, it's yeah. I don't know the name of that one, but when I go to Maxifu's gym. I'm pretty sure he's got one on his weapons rack and I'm pretty sure he could pull it off and tell me exactly why the blade is that way because it's designed for this and this and this and this. Right, right, right. And, right. and yeah, it's like, uh, would be totally badass to, uh, you know, because it's the Kung Fu movie fantasy. You're, That's what you're it is. Sur you're, exactly surrounded, right. you're surrounded by all these people, you're fighting, and there just happens to be some odd-shaped weapon. You pick that thing up, and you can wield it like it's your own hand. You know what I mean? And then it's like... like it's, uh, it's in your head. You, know, you picture that, that red lacquered like stand with all yes. the chromed-out weaponry yes, sticking yes, in yes, there. Yes. Like, it's kind of like fanned out, maybe 8 to 10 you know, long pole type weapons. And it's just, oh God, I look at that. And I'm like, man, I, I, that, that's a missed opportunity for me. I, I, yeah. I wish, I wish I would have done that. That's. 
Well, for uh, for people who are interested in that, my good friend Maxivo actually has been doing these Zoom tutorials online where he'll teach an entire Hongkun form in like two tutorials because some of those forms are really long. And right. uh, you can go to the, I think it's the realeast.com. Real is R-E-E-L east.com. And uh, you can order these things. So he's done a bunch of them already. So you can like buy the past recordings, but you can also do them live. And right now he's doing part two of the uh, butterfly swords in Hongkun. And I think he might have already done the Kwando, although I'm not sure. And so he's done fist fighting sets. He's done weapon sets. And um, I actually talked uh, um, uh, to him recently. We're going to do a joint one for Wing Chun and Hongkun together. Like oh, a comparison. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So super excited about that. So, yeah, p- people are interested in learning like, uh, m- you know, some kind of more orthodox Kung Fu forms, like especially from a great expert and Hongkun for people who don't know Hongkun for me is the prototype Southern Kung Fu system. Wing Chun is kind of, uh, it's a very special system. It's a little bit different than the other people. Uh, you know, if you put, if all wing martial arts styles were a person like the Wing Chun person is a little bit different. Right. right. But, uh, for me, uh, Hongkun, that's like the prototype Southern Chinese Kung Fu style. And um, and so I just, you know, it has all the elements that, you know, all the Southern styles share, but you have kind of all of those kind of prototype elements within that one style. And so Maxifu is one of the the best to do it. So, uh, yeah, if you guys are interested in learning and they're really cheap, uh, he's like, oh, it's donation based. You could just pay ten dollars. I'm like, ten dollars. Are you crazy? (laughs) He has no idea what a gem he is. So anyway, if you guys want to learn that stuff, he's, learn it from he's Maxifu. Amazing. He's the best. Yeah, I only the had best. the opportunity. I only had the opportunity to meet him once. What a gentleman! So sweet, so nice. Obviously, so skilled. Yes. And he just holds himself in a way that you just like, man. I want to be this guy's friend. It's like right. he, he's like like he he's the type of guy who, after sitting and talking with him for fifteen minutes. He's the type of guy that if you saw someone fuck with him, you'd want to break their heads. Yes, because absolutely. You'd, you'd want to stand in front of this guy and say, no, you don't yes. get to bother him. You yeah, know, a, just, a la the last Lost episode right, where I went off on guy. that guy. <laughs> it's, he's just such a nice, he's just such a nice guy. And uh, I sat with him and his daughter at, um, at your party. Right. And just so cool. Incredibly cool. Absolutely, nice, absolutely. Nice people, nice people. Awesome. Well, hey, man, this was a lot of fun tonight. Um, yes, absolutely, just, brother. Just want to remind everybody uh, when you listen to this that, um, yeah, by the time you listen to this, it should be this coming Friday uh, that we're going to do. Um, and so, whoa, that's actually Friday the 13th, I just realized. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. So we'll do a uh, we'll do a live uh, Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook, and we'll have the drawing for uh, the five Patreon supporters who get to, the, you know, the free download card or code or whatever it is for the uh, uh, Nicolas Cage film Jiu-Jitsu. And we'll do that uh, live on the air. And again, it's for all of our Patreon supporters, whether you're a current Patreon supporter or you just become a Patreon supporter for next week, just so we'll put you in the drawing. Even at the lowest levels of uh, support, uh, you'll be in there. So super excited about that. 
and uh, um, and we'll see. Those live episodes are always fun because we have the live interaction with the feed going on, and it's yeah, always interesting. Yeah, yeah, with, absolutely. So the, the, I enjoy it, them a lot. I always feel that the people in the comments are trying to poke us to fight with each other. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Cool. All right, brother. All right, boss. Have a good one. Take care. Have you good, folks. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!